This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. time again welcome in to our podcast studio our doors are wide open yet socially distant this is finsider radio this is the jake and josh show we have zach thomas conversations we have Xavier howard conversations we'll talk super bowl aaron jones maybe the dolphins are headed to new york to face the giants in 2021 but before all that joshua house how you doing today my friend I'm doing about as good as anyone can, man, after all those things you talked about, all the snubs, watching Tom Brady hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Um, I'm doing great, though, man, because, again, you and I are doing a podcast, and and what better time than to be Dolphin fans and get to talk about this upcoming season? That's really it. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for this offseason since the Laramie Tunsil trade. Obviously, you know, you draft your franchise quarterback last year, but but we've said it all along, and and I'm going to continue to say it until I'm blue in the face, is the fact that this is the year. The Dolphins are in in prime situation to really get the ball rolling on everything they want to do, and, and it really starts this year. This is the year we're supposed to see everything trending in the right direction, or it will trend in the way of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't want to get down that road, though. That's a very dark road. I don't want to get into it. Josh, I do have to say, I really do miss football. I am already missing it quite a bit. Uh, the Super Bowl was uh, a snoozer. Well, here we are, Tom Brady's Super Bowl champion again. But I got to say, man, with, with this extra time I have, I'm going to send out a call to action, and you can mute my mic whenever you think I've gone too far. If anyone out there wants to join me in an endeavor of playing as much Hearthstone as they possibly can, hit me up on Twitter, at jmental94. If you're not following him, I'm just going to plug him right away. Houts, H-A-U-T-Z. He's the Dolphin guy, but I'm just throwing that out there. Been really loving what the game Hearthstone's been doing lately. I'm a big old nerd. You can tweet that at me. I'll, I'll certainly accept it, but I just want to throw out that call to action real quick. Yeah, that's a great call to action. I mean, I will be absolutely floored if I don't see dozens of people, you know, at your doorstep just jumping at the opportunity to jump in on Hearthstone. I mean, I might even do it, but I've seen you play it. You're very high up there in the leaderboard, but we got to talk about this Super Bowl. And I mean, for as much as we miss football, as, as sad as it is that now we're 
at looking ahead to this 2021 offseason, an offseason, like you said, that we've been looking forward to since Laramie Tunsil, since that trade. You know, we saw it come together. We saw what they did year one. We saw what they slowed, started to do last year. They brought in their franchise quarterback. They filled in some pieces on both the offensive and defensive side of the lines. But let's be honest, Jake, we are going to go out there this year. We are going to load up on the offensive side of the football with tons of weapons. And that's what we saw in this game. I mean, yes, it was a 31 to 9 score, but you just saw the difference of what an offense looks like with guys like Leonard Fournette with Chris Godwin, with Mike Evans, and then even on the other side of the football, I mean, with the Chiefs. I mean, these are the offenses the Dolphins have to try to replicate because if they want to get to this point, and we can talk about until we're blue in the face the way Patrick Mahomes kind of, I mean, in a Patrick Mahomes type of way, I mean, this was a bad game for him. This wasn't the same Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. But again, if the Dolphins want to get to that promised land, if they want to be competing for the Lombardi Trophy, they're going to have to get through Patrick Mahomes. And Jake, I don't know about you, man, but some of those incompletions, you know, some of those throws that he missed or those receivers let hit him in their hands or, or bounce off their face mask like we saw with that one throw I mean he was making some of the most insane throws that you've ever seen in a losing effort I mean that one throw Jake someone dove at his legs he was falling and mid throw he threw a ball that just bounced off Tyreek Hill's face mask and with all due respect to Tua Tagovailoa, he could have never in a million years have made that throw in his wildest dreams Patrick Mahomes incredible and again in a losing yeah, like Tannehill did. Again, it was just incredible to see just the way this game, you know, what he was doing even down so much. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's crazy to think how far away the Dolphins could be and then again how close they might be to eventually competing for a Super Bowl. That's probably the, the most interesting aspect of this Super Bowl because when you really take a step back, I mean, the, the, the big conversation surrounding Dolphin fans right now, I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. It's the idea of, do you develop a team or do you plug in and play a quarterback? And, and what we saw in the Super Bowl was both sides. The Tampa Bay Bucks were seven and nine last season, and clearly they were a quarterback. Granted, the arguably the best quarterback of all time away from winning the Super Bowl, but that proved that hey, you can just plug a guy in, and and maybe the chemistry thing, while important, you know, you can overcome those things throughout the season. This was a team that lost to the Bears. Uh, this was a team that really struggled throughout the season. But obviously, it's all about when you get hot, and obviously, it's also all about your injuries. And then you can look at the other side. Uh, so so if you want to say that you know Tom Brady is the pro Deshaun Watson argument, you can say that that. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, was the ideal situation of why you need to stick with your young guns and continue to develop talent because injuries are going to happen, especially on the offensive line. Uh, There are going to be struggles, and you're going to need a deep roster that can step up in the biggest opportunities. I mean, the the science or error is so small in this situation, that's where the big concern comes in. And then if you want to bring it all the way around, you can even ask the question is, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs had someone like Eric Fisher at left tackle, right? And, you know, they won the Super Bowl last year, and clearly they, they didn't have the depth needed behind him. And, and that's understandable. That's actually to be even expected to have two good left tackles in the NFL. Sounds ridiculous, right? But that that's kind of a situation the Dolphins can go into uh, following the 2021 draft. If they decide to go offensive line in that first round, this is a topic we might get into deeper conversations on a later, later date. But you see someone like Eric Fisher gets hurt, and you see what that does to an offense. You, you can say, hey, if the Dolphins go with a tackle in the first round, you know, you can move Austin Jackson all over the field. Robert Hunt can play in and out. Kinley can play on the right and left side. And you're, you kind of see the vision that's coming together. However, then you wonder, these guys, this is a hard game. This is a gruesome game. This is a tough game. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Dolphins maybe playing 17 games next year. 
is drafting a tackle, someone who might miss time, someone who is actually pretty likely to miss time, is that the right way to go about it? So I just think I, I'm using all mo- way too many of my characters here. I'm totally going over the limit, so I apologize. But I just thought this was such a great case study of all the different directions that the Dolphins can go and proving that both can be successful. And that's the biggest thing there, and that's kind of what I was hoping you were going to turn this into, is that, I mean, this still doesn't give us the right answer to whether or not they should go after Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, and it doesn't tell you whether or not they should draft a tackle at, at three overall, because we can sit here and we can say that, you know, we shouldn't, we should go after playmakers, but let's be honest, again, this is one of those guys that has been up there with, you know, one of those can't-miss tackle prospects, and you mentioned it. You know, we can sit here and we can get Deshaun Watson, but if you can't protect him, we saw all day long. I mean, that's Patrick Mahomes. We can sit here and talk about how Tom Grady's the GOAT, how Patrick Mahomes is the young GOAT, but Patrick Mahomes from a skill set is just on a whole other level than many quarterbacks that we've ever seen play this game and he couldn't go out there and do this single-handedly you know he couldn't go out there when he was running for his life although he almost made it happen so it's again two sides of this story I think this is a perfect thing to maybe touch on as we get closer to the draft because I mean I don't know man every day it just seems like things are changing whether it's someone wants Devontae Smith at three whether they want Jamar Chase at three whether they want to trade down whether they should take a tackle I mean the list goes on and on and I think as we get closer to this draft you know maybe some of these options will start to you know become a little bit more clear and I do have to transition that into real quick to Tom McShay's latest uh, mock draft because he had the Dolphins trading down to eight with the Panthers and then they take Jalen Waddle another wide receiver from Alabama, a guy who, you know, we're not even, some people aren't even talking about him because he did miss the 2020 season because he did opt out, but this is a playmaker that is being compted to a Tyree kill, that's being compted to some of those very explosive playmakers you just don't see on many teams around the NFL. So again, I think this is a great takeaway, Jake. You look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, you realize that you need to sure up that offensive line more than even us Dolphin fans think, because sure, it looked great last year, but it's nowhere on that level of what we saw in Sunday's matchup. And then they got to go out there and they got to build these weapons, this arsenal of you know, build an arsenal around Tua Tonvaloa like we continue to say, and he's going to go out there, and he's going to become that quarterback that we expect. And with this defense that we're already seeing take the next step, I think good things are going to happen. And sooner than later, you know, the Dolphins are going to be playing those meaningful games that we've all just waited year after year after year to finally see. And, you know, I I do have to bring up the point that that there are people who obviously agree and disagree with things that is my breaking revelation thank you for tuning into this podcast i'm gonna wrap it up with that one no but seriously like like it's the fact that we can have these conversations right you can be pro deshaun watson you can be against it you can be for hey let's trade to eight let's get jalen waddle we can draft a left tackle at three it really doesn't matter which stance you have because you're not the one making decisions right but the fact we can sit here and we can talk about it and we can dive into these different avenues and really have thorough and depth conversations about them not only is fun to do because the off season and there aren't games being played but it just shows that flexibility that good teams have that they can go out and do literally whatever they want that there is a path to success out there and it's as simple as using your leaf blower moving away all the rubble, moving away all the leaves, and finding that clear path. And the Dolphins have a little opportunity, a little bit of wiggle room to really identify those different paths they can go on. Speaking of that, Josh, where, where do you want to transition to the next? What are you really craving to talk about here? I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and it's just you know one snub after another for this weekend's <laughs> NFL awards. And, I mean, we can sit here, we can go down the list, and, yes, another year, Jake, another Zach Thomas snub. So why don't you get us into that? Why don't you tell me your thoughts on this? Because, you know, I think the thing that bothers me most, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now, is that not that Zach Thomas didn't make it in this year, because, I mean, this was one of the most loaded classes that we've seen in many years. But the fact that he had to go, that is 2021, and he's still battling for that opportunity because there's no reason in hell why he's not in there when you put 
put his numbers up against a Ray Lewis and when you put his numbers up against a Brian Urlacher. So um, I think that's why I'm so heated. I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit more, but I think that that is the biggest thing to me. It's not that he didn't make it in this year because I truly thought I went into this weekend and not really expecting Zach Thomas to make it in because it was such a loaded class because he mm-hmm. was snubbed against some lesser talent in my opinion. So um, I'm, I'm heated. Let's hear what you have to say, Jake. I do, the guy who made that Twitter graphic of Erlacher's stats and Zach Thompson's stats has gotten like a four year run on that thing. I can't. That is the most. <laughs> that must be the, the longest tweet. It really is. But people always the most action. Like you think but about people always Twitter, post you, it as their own. People always post it as their own, and it blows up. And then I just feel bad because you're right, dude. You see it like once a week, and we've seen it for four years now. Like the, the the guy who made that should have some sort of advertising job, some sort of job at Twitter because he's done what the exact opposite of Twitter, whatever he was trying to accomplish, is, and that's remained relevant. So so props to that guy, whoever made that graphic. He we might he, use it. We're, we should use it for this podcast, shouldn't we? Let's get, yes. let's get the most out of this. <laughs> so that's my first thought. And two. Everybody likes to define Hall of Famers in a certain way. You know, one of the conversations people like to lean towards is, can you tell the story of the National Football League without so-and-so? I don't really like that. I mean, for most of Zach Thompson's career, I believe he was drafted in 1996. I was two years old at the time. I don't remember him getting drafted. I, I don't remember those Jimmy Johnson years. What I do remember, though, is I had a Zach Thomas jersey. And I remember the magic that is Zach Thomas, right? I don't, you know, remember the statistics. I don't remember a specific play. I don't remember a specific game where he went incredibly bananas and, and showed why he is a great middle linebacker. And I'm not trying to say this stuff to uh, ignore his accomplishments, but what I do remember are the wild interceptions, the front flips into the end zone. And, and there weren't players doing that. Like he, for being someone who was so in the trenches, like he's going to be the one guy that makes a tackle. I think it was uh, drive time with Travis Wingfield. They posted a clip where, where I don't know who was quoted in this, but they said that you could watch film of the Miami Dolphins and, and 10 players would be going one way and totally misread a play. Zach Thomas would be the only one to get it right, go the right way and make the tackle just because he's Zach Thomas. And, and those are the type of stories. Those are the type of mentions, whether it's the front flips, whether it's his mind, whether whether it's the work ethic, if you can really get inspired by that stuff, if you can look back fondly on that kind of stuff, I think that is truly what makes a Hall of Famer because it, they, they carry that specific magic in the game. We do like to quantify this stuff with, with Super Bowls, with wins, with telling the story of the National Football League, which is silly in itself. But if you can go back and, and fondly remember someone, and of course there's some homerishness of with what I'm saying, and, and let's be very clear. Brian Erlacher got into the Hall of Fame. His numbers are very close to Zach Thomas's. That Super Bowl might have been different to put him over the edge. These two are both like fringe Hall of Famers. And, and people are going to jump at me, jump down my throat for that. But but they're on the same level. And, and I think we can make the argument for both of them on, hey, they shouldn't be in it. Right? As much as we can for them being in it. Otherwise, they'd both be in it and we wouldn't be, you know, getting blue over the face over all this stuff. Yeah, Jake, I'm going to make a joke here, but I think my favorite part about Zach Thomas was that he kind of almost looked like Frankenstein. You know, he had that, like, square <laughs> block head, and he had that 
awesome neck roll, you know, just what you want to see out of your franchise. I mean, I, I don't want to say elite, but you sat here and you mentioned how, you know, a play really didn't stick out in your mind. And does that not just go to how consistent Zach Thomas was? I mean, that is the biggest thing is he went out there day in, day out. And yes, people thought he was undersized. You know, yes, he was drafted in the fifth round. I believe it was what, 100 and 154th overall in the 1996 draft. I mean, what he accomplished and what he became in the middle of that Miami Dolphins defense for just so many years was just so, so impressive. I'm looking at his numbers here, 20 and a half sacks throughout his career, 1,107 solo tackles and 16 forced fumbles. You mentioned he had a pick six where he flipped into the end zone. I mean, uh, again, the guy was just uh, oozes exactly what you want to see out of that middle linebacker position. And again, there's only two that maybe are even in the same, you know, sentence as him as far as, you know, being that caliber of a linebacker that is in the Hall of Fame. So um, this is long overdue. I, I Again, I didn't know that it would happen this weekend, but it, the fact that he still isn't in uh, remains to be a travesty. And, you know, I'm going to continue to go down the list. And you can't sit here and tell me that if, if Zach Thomas didn't play for a different team, you know, other than the Miami Dolphins, that he might not already be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the same thing can be said about Xavier Howard, who, uh, Jake, we all found out this week, you know, did not win Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, maybe he wasn't going to. Everyone says, I'll Aaron Donald needs to be double, triple teamed on every play, how he impacts every play. You know, maybe that's not Xavier Howard. But he just went out there and put up double-digit interceptions, something that we haven't seen in how many years. He's put on an island in a league, you know, where it started to shift so much to passing. And he got three votes. So I'm not so much upset that, you know, he didn't win this because I didn't really expect it. But three mother effing votes, Jake? I mean, that, that's ridiculous to me. Xavier Howard needs to have some respect put in his name. And again, I think if you played for any other team than the Miami Dolphins, uh, he probably would have got a lot more votes and he might have even won the damn thing. The, the, the elitist, I don't even, I'm not using that word right, but we're going to roll with it. It's 11 o'clock at night. Uh, the best tweet I saw about the Dolphins, the, the, this take was as fast as, as Randy Johnson's fastball, I guess. Somebody tweeted out that Zach Thomas didn't get in, Xavier Howard only got three votes, and Brian Flores uh, didn't win coach of the year because the Dolphins missed the playoffs this year. I thought that was so hot. My hand started to burn while reading that on my phone. The fact that somebody thought, like, Zach Thomas isn't getting in because the Dolphins aren't making the playoffs this year. No, Zach Thomas isn't making it in because the Dolphins haven't made the playoffs and over, or been relevant, I guess, in terms of playoff wins in, in about 20 years, right? Uh, the Xavier Howard thing is, is ridiculous, right? Ten interceptions is absolutely bananas. The games that, you know, you could say he had bad games. You think about the penalties against DeAndre Hopkins. I still thought he played incredibly well there. I think you can really use penalties in, in a smart way. You're going to get called by with some of these holds. Sometimes you won't. They're 50-50s. It happens. I don't know what more he can do at the cornerback position to really show that he is worthy and, and he is one of the top, you know, three defensive players in the league. Uh, maybe I think with a position like this, we need to start, or a, an award like this, excuse me, we should start to really ask ourselves uh, if it's turning into like the MVP award in, in terms of like the quarterback's going to get it. You need somebody who's going to get sack numbers that, that are going to get it. And if they're not going to get sack numbers, you need exactly what you said to, to start this segment. They need to be double or triple teamed all the time. Yeah, and I think it's just, again, I think the thing that he has to do is honestly maybe get traded and go to a different team, and I think that could change everything. You brought up the Brian Flores thing. Blitz off the edge. Steal yeah, yeah, like seven sacks out of nowhere. Then, then yeah. he will get it. Yeah, or they make the playoffs like that Randy Johnson fast 
fastball that uh, took out that seagull. Is that what you're talking about? Remember when he made that? He threw that fastball, like killed a pigeon Austin. or something, tur- turned that thing into dust. Um, but yep. we, we, we already mentioned two snubs and I, another one, Brian Flores. I mean, I don't know about you, Jake. I wasn't necessarily certain he was going to win it. I think if things would went much different week 17 against Matt Barkley and the Buffalo Bills, you know, up there in Orchard <laughs> Park, he probably would have made it in. I think, you know, if the Dolphins are making the playoffs, some of these awards look different. I do think, you know, that that is one where I do think maybe Brian Flores gets a couple more votes. But, you know, fans mm-hmm. were upset, but he got six. And then I look over there and uh, Sean McDermott, I don't want people to jump on me because, yes, he is the enemy. But, I mean, he got seven votes. So if that's kind of where your 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 marker is, I mean, the, the Bills went to – they had success in the playoffs. You know, with they, that jump that they made this year was pretty damn impressive. But I think what you look at, you know, what a team had to deal with, you know, had to overcome the roster that – they built you know the way that Flores did it I think even with that loss you know he still deserved at least more than six votes uh, at least in my opinion I do the going back to that scorching tweet I do think if the Dolphins made the playoffs I think Brian Flores would have won it um, when you look at what where the Dolphins finished and where the Bills finished like the Bills were in the AFC championship game and Sean McDermott got one more vote than Brian Flores I think there's been nothing uh nothing has been shown to us that proven we can doubt or we should doubt brian flores you can talk about the quarterback changes you can talk about the um blasting jay-z in front of kenny stills uh you you can talk about anything this this coach has done and and it's there's been some moves he's made with uncertainty and and that's for sure you know the benching to uh starting Fitzpatrick, whatever 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 but it's always been successful it worked out incredibly well for him. I, I'm not going to put too much stock into this because it is still part of that rebuild. We really sh- – like, like the Xavier Howard thing, I we can't take that for granted, right? The 10 receptions. First guy in like 10 years to do it. Coach of the year, though, I, I don't see Brian Flores unless, you know, we're about to get blindsided like there's no tomorrow. I don't see him going away in terms of coach of the year conversation. If the Dolphins make the playoffs next year and, and let's say win a game and – We'll be partying in the streets if that happens. I do think he should be a no-brainer for Coach of the Year, but we we all we we think about that. There's some recency bias in this, right? And I think when you look at that Bills game, I haven't looked at that box score since the day after that game because it, it is dreadful. I think people saw that. I think you see ten and six. I think you see missing the playoffs. I can't believe I'm saying you're ten and six and you miss the playoffs in the same you know sentence, but that. You know, that's what it is. The Dolphins had the opportunity to go into Buffalo, win that game. Brian Flores had the opportunity to put together the greatest game plan that, you know, the, the L.A. Rams game plan that held them to three points, and they just didn't do it. I'm I'm okay with him not winning Coach of the Year this year because I think he's going to be back uh, with vengeance and get this one uh, in, in maybe a year or two. Yeah, you know, as, as corny as it sounds, you know, maybe this makes them a little bit more hungry. You know, maybe it makes them want to continue to strive and, and prove the doubters wrong. Um, you mentioned, uh, I have to bring up, you said about the Dolphins, and I think you said about winning a playoff game. And that just reminded me of that image of Tom Brady being carried around. You know, did you see it from his parade today where oh he was God. absolutely hammered? Goals. Like, tell me that's tell that's, tell me that's not going to be all of us Dolphin fans, you know, even before kickoff of our next playoff game. I mean, that's just kind of the mood I got there. But, but Jake, we talked about our, our three snubs so far, and we still left out one. You know, we talked about Thomas, Howard, Flores. We forgot about Big E, fan of the year, top three. If you want to follow him on Twitter, if you don't, if you're a Dolphins fan, you don't follow Big E, I, I don't know what you're doing, but follow him on Twitter at 
Ian, I-A-N-693. But Jake, he was a, a top three nominee for fan of the, I, I mean, I guess universe. I mean, he's not, <laughs> even just, he's not even just a Dolphins fan of the year. He was almost, you know, named the NFL fan of the year. And he ended up, you know, not taking home that award. But I think that might be another similar situation. You know, Zach Thomas is going to have another chance. Xavier Howard's going to have another chance. Brian Flores will. Will Big E get another chance of being the universe fan of the year? I I look at what happened with Zach Thomas, right? I go back to those, you know, the, those special moments you remember, whether it's, you know, the front flips into the end zone or those quotes about him. Uh, one of the coolest things Ian does, Biggie, uh, my apologies, I, I, I assume that's what he prefers to be called. Um, his, he has a game ritual where him and his daughters, they, they post, they, they completely remake his car every Sunday when they're going to tailgate at Dolphin Games or just going to Dolphin Games. I, I, I don't know the full details, but I just think that's the coolest thing where, you know, they're putting all these, they're not the, the like magnetic, I don't know, uh, logos all over his car. They putting the flags on it. And, and just the fact that, you know, that that's what it really should be about. I, I think we all really get involved with football, not from watching it for the first time. I, I you know, I'm probably gonna be wrong here making a broad assumption, but you know, it's, it's my, I'm a Dolphins fan because of my dad grew up being a Dan Marino fan, a, a 1972 Dolphins fan, right? Those are the type of things that inspire us to get in football and to see something like that rewarded, where in in 20, 30 years, Big E's kids are gonna look fondly back at these magical moments, and, and hopefully the memory ends before they witness the dolphins get killed by the buffalo bills I, I don't know but but it's just things like that that i i really appreciate and then you look at what he does on twitter you know he's always trying to make other people gain followers he's always trying to retweet other people he's always trying to just you know talk with people and at the end of the day it's about building that community not only as dolphin fans but football fans and when you're talking fan of the year i don't know if you can do it any better than he has that, I mean, I don't think you can say it any better than that. And you mentioned how he does his follow trains and all that. I mean, what he's done for the community. We sit here and we talk about, you know, following us on Twitter, this and that. You have to follow Big E because, you know, what he means to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, it's not just on Twitter. You know, it's out there in the real world. You see him out there, you know, um, helping package up food and just, you know, being part of the community. And again, he, the guy was named fan of the year and almost won the whole thing. Um, he's pretty much our spirit animal, right, Jake? I mean, we live up here in the Northeast. You know, we freeze our nips off most year round. He's like if we turned into an anamorph or, or a wolf walker or something, you know, and he just became, you know, he's us down there in Florida representing and being the fan that, you know, we are from home. I mean, it's truly awesome to see the, how big of a following he's grown. And uh, this, this was, uh, you know, one of the bigger surprises of this weekend, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's cool to see these guys get acknowledged. I, I have they have they done this before the you know this big NFL. I don't think fan they have. I don't think they have. So that make him what the first ever Miami Dolphins fan of the year, and you know almost almost finished top three. That's crazy, man. He it's gonna be hard to top him too. You know, going into next year, I think. Well, it's you know, so damn big, ain't nobody getting. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we're, we're, we're wrapping up the segment we're gonna jump into an ad break after this we will talk about is Aaron there a Jones, chance who <laughs> I that Jones thing. send I'm it sorry. in i'm old, send it I'm in. old. that works we're calling it send it in today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
of the biggest rumors from this weekend was that the Miami Dolphins could have interest in Aaron Jones, and it came from a couple of different sources, one being Ian Wharton, a very well-respected uh, writer. I think he wrote for Bleach Report, work all over the place. But there are rumors linking the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Chicago Bears as having interest in 26-year-old Aaron Jones. And, Jake, you can look around the NFL. You can see, you know, how these rosters are built. And, you know, teams just are not spending that big money anymore on these running backs. But I thought what was most – you know, crazy to me was not only how many, how many Dolphin fans, you know, we're sitting here in the draft. We have the 18th pick. We have two picks then in, in the second round, you know, top four, top 50 picks. And fans are sitting here talking about maybe throwing the bank at a running back that's not named Derrick Henry. And it's just something that is baffles me because last year I talked about Derrick Henry. I've talked about Derrick Henry for many years. And, you know, Dolphin fans weren't really into that. But now, according to Spotrack, you know, what Aaron Jones could see on the open market is $14.6 million. You're looking at more than maybe even what Derrick Henry makes. So um, Aaron Jones love what he is as a running back we cannot we cannot sit here and talk enough about how much we love fantasy football so we know what type of impact he has how impressive he can be as a pass catcher as well as between the tackles but jake 14.6 million they're looking at a four-year 58 million dollar contract potentially again this is just um you know just an estimation but but tell me your thoughts on going out there and dropping the bag off for a running back named aaron jones i certainly won't tell someone how to spend their money uh, especially stephen ross um, you, have to. you have to in this situation. I will say, um, if the Dolphins did go out and make this signing of Aaron Jones, I would spin zone it into oblivion about how it's the best signing in the entire universe. I would trade for him in all of my fantasy leagues. I mean, if you had him in the league that you run, I'd be on your knocking at your door, <laughs> man. I, I would own him in every fantasy league. But, you know, you always go back to the, I, I don't even know if it's cliche at this point, but the, you know, good teams don't sign running backs. I mean, somebody, uh, Marcus Mosher, posted this uh, Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl winner leading rusher plus salary cap since 2009. Some things to keep, take away here are, one, the highest base salary came not even from a running back. Percy Harvin made $2.5 million the year the Seahawks won the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, it's also worth noting LeGarrette Blunt is on this list three times as a Super Bowl winner, uh, and he never made over a million dollars in a single year. We got former Dolphin Damian Williams, and you do have first-round picks like Leonard Fournette, Sonny Michelle on this list. So, so, Josh, you can make the case that, yes, the Dolphins absolutely need a signature running back. Yes, they need someone who's flexible. They need someone who's versatile. Having someone with experience couldn't hurt. I just don't think I'd want to spend that at running back. You know, you can bring in all the questions. I don't want to discount someone like Aaron Jones, who's incredibly talented. You just always worry about scheme and, and running styles and who he's playing with. I mean, I'm sure it's easier, easier, quote unquote, when you're playing in the NFL. Everything's hard. Of course, everything's hard. But, you know, you can get going when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, the second you get open, he's going to be right there to find you. Is he going to fit the styles of what the Dolphins really want to do? Is he not never going to be seen because the way he runs works better with a right-handed quarterback compared to a left-handed quarterback? Truthfully, I don't know, and that sounds dumb coming out of my mouth, but don't, I've seen things not work in the NFL because of worse scenarios or weirder scenarios. I don't know, man. It just seems like at running back, I just have a hard time putting up that much money. I'd rather go for like a Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, someone at receiver is a little more appealing to me. It's just the, the traction you put on a running back just scares me too, too much. Yeah. And there's really no argument there. I think we can both agree though. If the 
you know, if this deal again, just like Byron Jones, just like some of these other signings, if we got out of the shower like I did when that Byron Jones signing went down and we got that oh. notification that Aaron Jones was just signed, I mean, you would be pretty damn excited yep. again. I mean, you'd be going to play Madden, update your rosters, and then I think you hate Madden. But, Jake, the name I want to throw out there, and to me, I'm looking at, you know, Aaron Jones, 26, five foot nine, 207 pounds. Then I'm looking at the Dolphins roster, and we got to remember the Dolphins have now promoted George Godsey and Eric Studsville to co offense coordinator. Jake, do you know who played a large role in Miles Gaskins, you know, growth from one year to the next here in Miami? I think you're going to tell me. It would have been Studsville. And to <laughs> me, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at what they did with him. And, you know, you can't look at the the the, the size and the body. Miles Gaskin, 5'10", 200 pounds. I think he did more reps in college than what Aaron Jones did. So I sat there and I talked about Aaron Jones' power, you know, in my article that I wrote earlier last week uh, for the Finsider. But Miles Gaskin, I mean, I can't stop thinking about how much this coaching staff probably loves what they saw from him because, again, I mean, when he was playing, he was putting up effective numbers. And it's just uh, tremendous to see, you know, his growth from the from 2019 where he had 36 touches, 133 yards and that one touchdown to what we saw this year with 142 carries, 584 yards and three touchdowns. And again, we just saw him develop more into an overall, you know, sound running back. You know, we saw him in pass protection. We saw him going out there and making plays in the passing game. And we saw him looking decisive and quick when getting those touches. I mean, we sat here and we went back and forth on Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. And, you know, towards the end of the year, towards those last few games, it was just noticeable. There was just a noticeable difference of Miles Gaskin out there. So uh, to sit here and think that, you know, he's 23 years old, to think that he has those similar skills. And again, he's not on Aaron Jones level yet. Could he get there? Maybe he could. And I know people are going to come at me for this, for even comparing the two, but I still think if Miles Gaskin got those 16 games, you know, he didn't miss that substantial time. If he got out there and got those reps that some of these other guys did, I think his stats would be much much more comparable to what Aaron Jones has. And then, you know, we won't be sitting here talking about drafting a running back early or signing a guy like Aaron Jones. And one thing we also have to remember here is look at New England. Look at where a lot of these guys came from. You know, Brian Flores, you know, this is we're building New England South here. I mean, they have never really overspent on that running back position unless you look at a Sony Michelle, unless you think about what they did with Marion Barber, you know, forever ago. Sorry, it was a Lawrence Maroney. I get them too mixed yes. up. But, but the point still stands, Jake. I mean, uh, the Dolphins might not want to go out there and spend big money on a running back like we saw last year, and they might be Pretty damn happy, especially Eric Studsville with the type of player that Miles Gaskin's developing into. Hell, Brian Flores was in New England when the uh, when when the Patriots spent a first round pick on Michelle. So you you know that that does that mean anything? Probably not, but I, I think that's worth noting. And and Josh, I, I want to ask you this: Would you be surprised if the Dolphins did less to their running back room this year than they did going into the 2020 season? From a pure, you know, from from draft capital, just from a pure move. Find two guys, spend like ten mil worth of value. I don't know, maybe that'd be like a third or a fourth round pick. I don't. Know. Yeah, I, I think they'll do less because I think you know if they go out there and they draft a Najee Harris, a Javante Williams, you know, insert prospect name here. You know, that right there is already using one draft pick, which we saw them use multiple last year and swing and miss. And then you're already investing less money than what you may have, you know, spent on a Jordan Howard. You know, maybe not long term, but at least from a 2021 standpoint. So I'm going to go with less, and I think it's because they they realize that you know again these last few years were to build defense side the the trenches now they're going out there getting those skill players and i think they already saw this draft class and they probably already have a guy in mind and i think that's the route they'll go so i'm gonna go with less what about you that it's so tough i think this is such an interesting question because it seems like one of those uh situations where early on it, it seemed very obvious you know Najee harris at 18 makes a whole hell of a lot of sense or even one of those guys in the second round pit or a second round but it also has one of those situations where we could be sitting here in, in hindsight and being like 
why did we expect that? Like, that's not what they've done. That's not what they've ever done. So I could really see them doing less. Doing less actually makes a lot of sense to me, whether it's, and it's, I guess the follow-up question I have for you, Josh, is does Miami's top rusher, is, is Miami's top rusher in 2021 currently on the roster? I'm going to say no. Again, I think it's going to be that young, hungry running back. And I it's crazy to sit here and be so hypocritical when I sat here and talked highly of Miles Gaskin. But, you know, I think they have their eye on the target. And uh, I think it's going to ev- evidently pay dividends. But, Jake, just one quick thing. I mean, did they not invest? What was it? Did they not make four moves on the running back position? I mean, they put a claim in for Ahmed. Um, they signed Jordan Howard. And then they traded for Washington. And they also traded for Breida. So right there is at least four. And that's not even if you count, you know, um, uh, Lim Bowden, you know, is he technically a running back when they made that trade? So, I mean, um, it's all schematics here, but I, I think they're going to invest a running in the running back position in the draft. And um, again, it's the Brian Flores way, man. We're sitting here and we're talking about why they shouldn't or why they might not draft or sign Aaron Jones, but they might look at it as, you know, we screwed the pooch last year. You know, we made these four moves and we came out with, you know, Miles Gaskin, who we already had on the roster and, and averaged 4.1 yards per carry. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going back and forth just talking through it, but it's definitely something interesting to watch. And I'm sure we can devote all, an entire episode to, you know, what the Dolphins should do in free agency at each position. And, you know, what the hell? Well, that's what we'll plan on doing moving forward. I absolutely agree. Uh, the, my last note, I mean, I, I agree with you where, where Miles Gaskin is certainly somebody you can fall in love with because I think his floor is so high. Like, there's a level of consistency there that you really come to expect, and, and he is damn good at hitting it, you know, in terms of just catching every ball that comes his way, in terms of rarely fumbling the ball, in terms of getting every yard that's in front of him. And he kind of embodied what the Dolphins were in 2020 in the sense of they could get from the 20 to the 20. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so bad. Um, but but can you imagine if the Dolphins actually get someone that can get them through that terrible, you know, that, that first and 10 run at the 11-yard line that they do every time? Could you imagine if the Dolphins had someone who could get those 11 yards on first down and we weren't pulling out the rest of our hairs for, you know, the next four plays in, inside the red zone? I think that's really what the Dolphins need to find. Is that available in the draft? I'm not entirely sure. Is it Aaron Jones? That's another tough issue, but it is certainly something that we could we could you know we could swing back and forth on for you know the next two months before the draft. I will say one of the most impressive things about Aaron Jones is the fact that he's amassed over four thousand four hundred twenty-one total yards in four seasons and forty-eight touchdowns. I mean, dude, I he's we can go back. We, he's yeah, he's guy. a touchdown machine, and um, you know the Dolphins could absolutely need that you know the Dolphins absolutely use that Jake one last thing before we wrap up this podcast I think we touched on a bunch of different things but during the Super Bowl was there any commercial that stuck out to you as you know being that oh my god because I, I remember as a kid man you used to you used to love watching football but you used to love watching these commercials as well and I don't know man but you know maybe it's just the timing with everything going on but there were some pretty mediocre commercials in my opinion yeah, and it, it doesn't help that uh, half of these were like released on like YouTube and, and elsewhere a week before. That that doesn't add to the magic. And I do have to say though, I you know obviously I kicked my feet up. I enjoyed the game. Had a couple soda pops. The commercial, it, I I don't know what it was originally from, but I'm you know I'm a Seinfeld guy. That that's one of my favorite shows. I've watched it countless countless times. And then there are people who, who even appreciate it more than I do because they were alive for that era of comedy for the references they were making obviously i i still admit that that most of the references they make you can transfer into today's society but there's one there's one song there was one commercial where george costanza jason alexander um 
in an episode of Seinfeld, he recorded a voicemail and he did it over uh, some sort of song. And it's he I'm not going to go ahead and sing it, but they used the actual song in a commercial. And I started laughing because I instantly thought back to this voicemail where George is trying to avoid this girl. And, you know, I'm sitting there dying and I start to kind of pull it up my phone to show like, like, George did this. This is funny. Next thing I know, George is sitting in a car screaming at the end of the commercial. I don't even know what the commercial is for at this point. I don't remember that much about it, but I just remember losing it, appreciating it that because I'm the type of guy who, if you make an inside joke or some sort of reference uh, that I pick up on, I, I just respect that on a whole nother level. I relate to it on a whole nother level. And that's what I always try to do with, with stupid, silly inside jokes. So I really appreciated that one. Absolutely. I think the one that stuck out most to me was maybe it's because I remember having 3D Doritos, you know, many years ago, but there was that Matthew McConaughey where he was like I a have 2D. A box of them. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're, they taste like Fritos, but that's besides the point. I mean, um, he he was like a, what, it looked like 2D Paper Mario, and, you know, he was walking around, everyone was throwing things at him, and he was blowing in the wind, and then he went in underneath the vending machine and ate one of the 3D Doritos and, like, popped down and was smashed up against the machine. So I think that was probably the one that stuck out most, but, again, I think that's probably just because I had a bag of those Doritos, and they are pretty freaking good yeah yeah they got they got two flavors i ordered them about a month ago because i did have those flashbacks to again you know be, being the younger one and going to i think it was dollar general or dollar tree one of the dollar places uh and, and you could get them in in these black containers where you'd pop off the top and use it as a cup that's the that's all i remember and i remember them tasting pretty good so that's all i know about 3d doritos josh i think that's really all we have today it's getting a little late i have to admit i'm a little tired i do also have to say i apologize ahead of time because i know people are going to get mad at those zach thomas takes and and i hope nothing came off as disrespectful it's just kind of tough to get into the hall of fame and i think we should really accept that but josh anything you have have to say before we wrap up here Oh, man, uh, we're heading now towards the all-season. we got free agency coming up, the draft. Stick with us. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a f- any any star review, please. And if you ever have any questions, five. comments, or <clears throat> concerns, yeah, five, <laughs> 10 stars, reach out to us on Twitter at jmendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94, at Houts. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. For Josh Houts, that's Jake Mendel. For Finsider Radio, we'll talk to you next time. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins